Hungry Trilobite podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. The longest-running pop culture con in Oklahoma has a new look, a new mascot, and a fantastic guest list. Join us in Norman, Oklahoma, June 30th through July 2nd, 2023, and meet celebrities such as Billy West, John Scalzi, Erica Harlicker, and John Swayze. Visit SoonerCon.com to reserve your membership. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. One of the things I love most about my Star Trek fandom is that as I look through its rich history, I find a never-ending list of people who have a great deal of talent, but also a joy for telling stories about their lives and the things we can learn from them. Today's guest is Sandra Gimple, and if you're looking for a way to balance a different level of talent and multiple kinds of talent in your life, this is the lady you want to talk to. Let's get started right now. On tap today, we have Sandra Gimple. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thank you. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Uh, my audience is mostly going to think of you as the salt vampire from a certain <laughs> early episode of Star Trek. And I could honestly talk about that all day. I'm, I'm, don't tempt me. But the fact is, you actually had a really exciting career after that as a stunt double as well. Oh but you God. didn't stop acting in front of the camera either, which I find really fascinating. You know, I've been very blessed. I have no complaints when... Um... I got into this business, I, you know, I was dancer and um, I did 15 pictures with Elvis Presley. I was one of his five dancers. And um, then when he did Change of Habit, which was his last movie, um, dancers were with background players at the time. They had two unions. So um, I started doing background work and um because the dancers, they wanted lines and they wanted everybody, you know, the same height. And I'm not very tall. So, <laughs> you know, I'm five one, five one if I my best day. And um, so then they sent me on an interview to do Lost in Space. And I got that. And then I got to do the Salt Vampire. And it just never stopped. I mean, I never looked back. And yet you still managed to. Uh, when, when you got this great career doing stunt work, was that something that just kind of fell in your lap or was it something that you had to actively seek out? It fell in my lap. <laughs> it really fell in my lap. Basically, what happened was when they called me to do Lost in Space, Central Casting was doing the background work and casting background players and stand-ins. And stand-ins are the people that, you know, stand in for the actor when they light the lights and set the cameras. So they, that's basically what they sent me on the audition for, to make sure I was the right height and, you know, everything for Bill, Bill Mummy, who was 11 years old at the time, because the person that was working with him had, he had outgrown him, actually. It was a little person. And so um, I went on this audition, which is was really unusual. Usually they look at you and they go, yes or no, you know, the coloring's right, you know, everything's height is right. Goodbye, you got the job. Well, I walked in and there had to be eight to 10 guys sitting at a table asking me questions. And it was like, well, tell us about yourself. What's your background? You know, who, you know, what, the, how physical are you? What have you done? And 
it was, it was very weird for me. I'm 22 years old and, you know, they're asking me all these questions like, who are these people? <laughs> and one guy says to me, who I, at now I, I finally asked who he was, said to me, um, so have you ever thought about doing stunt work? And on a Bible, I am telling you, I looked at him and said, what's a stunt? I had no idea what he was talking about. So he explained to me, you know, that I would be doubling Bill and falling down and doing all whatever he, you know, they didn't want him to do. Plus he had to go to school. So I said, sure, that sounds like fun. Why not? Famous <laughs> last words. <laughs> Turned out Paul Stater was the stunt coordinator on the show, and he was the one that was asking me these questions. And they and he said to me, okay, I'll tell you what. You can do Lost in Space. You can stand in for Bill. You can do all his stunt work on one stipulation. You come to my gym in Santa Monica three days a week, and you learn how to do stunts. And I went, okay. Yeah, that's a good deal. It was a good deal, yeah. You can't do that today. And um, I did. And it was really fun. I got to tell you, he had a gym in Santa Monica. He had all those stunt guys from the Stuntman's Association coming out to work out at the gym. And I mean, I was the only girl, you know? And so I felt like I had the Memphis Mafia with me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as you know, I did that show and then while I was doing that, they did the pilot for Lost for uh, Star Trek uh, called The Cage. And they needed somebody to do one of the Telosians. And they had called, um, Central Casting had called Paul Stater and said, do you have anybody that can wear this makeup? Because there's a lot of people allergic to it. You know, it's, it's they paste stuff on your face and, you know, the glue and all of that. And he said, oh, yeah, I got I got a girl for you. And she's she's done our, a lot of our monsters already. And she's fine. So I went over and I played a Telosian. And um, that show didn't sell, of course. And then the next year, they did Man Trap, which was Salt Vampire. And they called me and asked me if I wanted to do that, because that was also makeup and costume work and stuff and um that's how I got the salt vampire and after that I just never looked back I mean I was doubling and doing stunts and up until the time we did Nickelodeon with um uh, Ryan O'Neill I could do both stunts and stand in you know background work nobody was saying much of anything they were fine with all of that well when I did Nickelodeon, um, I was doubling Ryan's daughter, and I get a call to do Bionic Woman and double um, the secretary. I've got I'm so bad with names. Um, anyway, at that point, I had to make a decision to either do one or the other, and I made a decision, of course, to do stunts and just kept working, never, never looked back. I mean, those years were just unbelievable. I mean, you don't get that opportunity in this day and age that, that I got there. And um, the guys, everybody was willing to help me. It sounds like you had a lot of support, which is not always the story you hear in these sorts of situations. Exactly. 
Exactly. I, I had so much support. I mean, for some reason, the guys were bending over backwards to help me. And maybe because I wasn't a threat, you know, I mean, you know, I'm five foot one and I'm not, you know, I don't know. They just, they just helped. The guys helped. I mean, I had guys like Mickey Gilbert and Benny Dobbins. And I mean, I can start naming top, top stunt coordinators at the time. And they were just looking out for me, making sure that I didn't do something that was stupid and, you know, and telling me, make sure you are happy, make sure you're happy. And if you're not open your mouth, say something, don't take a job you don't think you can do. Um, and I didn't, you know, I mean, they, they guys, they just really helped, you know, it was really nice. It's um, one, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, we like to talk creativity on the show and nowadays with all the options people have to make content, a lot of people seem to get locked into this idea that I have to choose to do this and this is going to be my path. And if I don't succeed at that, then I don't succeed. And it's it's refreshing to hear somebody who has the experience of saying, well, I did two things at once and it worked out for me. Yeah, it did. And as I went on, I'm going to, you know, I've always done more than one thing, you know, at the same time. Um, basically, what happened with me was from doing stunt work, the natural progression for the guys and not the women was to stunt coordinate, which means you're running the stunt work and you're hiring the stunt people. And, you know, the director says, this is what I want. I want this fight scene and it's got to end and it's got to be this long or whatever. So you're the one that's putting that together and you're the one that's doing, you know, putting all that. So there were a couple of girls that were coordinating, but not really very many. And um, when you work by yourself, a lot of times you just go on the set, it'd be only you as a stunt person. And so you were actually coordinating yourself. So I kind of got a lot of experience doing it that way and went on to coordinate. Um, and still, so I'm coordinating and I'm doing stunt work at the same time, which are two different avenues, actually. I mean, they're in the same genre, but they're not. Um, I ended up doing a show at Universal called Mrs. Columbo with Kate Mulgrew. Mm -hmm. And I stunt coordinated that. And I stunt doubled her at the same time, which was a plus for me because I could do two jobs. I was getting paid for two jobs, but I could do two jobs without them looking for somebody else to hire. Um, what happened with that show was it was 1980 and it was very difficult for women. I mean, you can talk to a lot of the women directors that started at that time and they were fighting tooth and nail to get directing jobs. And I, you know, I fought tooth and nail to get this job. In fact, when this job came up to coordinate, I knew the producer because I'd been on a lot of Universal and doing, you know, lots of shows and um, as a stunt person, just working. And um, I had heard that the job opened, there was a job opening for this. And so I went into his office and I said, so I want to stunt coordinate the show. <laughs> and he went, uh, yeah, uh-huh, sure you do. <laughs> and I said, well, come on. He said, no, I, I, I don't think this is going to happen. He said, um, I, I don't know. And what had happened was there had been one girl 
who had been um, stunt coordinating and she got fired at 20th Century Fox and sued the studio. And nobody would hire a woman after that. And he's hemming and hawing and I looked at him and I said, so are you afraid? I mean, I've got a big mouth. Let me tell you that right now. He's, I said, what are you afraid? Um, if I screw the job up, you can't fire me? And he kind of looked down at his desk and he went, well, yeah. He said, I, I, I just can't take that chance. And I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you what, if I screw up, you can take me by the ear into your office and I will quit. And he went, let me think about it. And so I said, yeah, you do, but I want the job. And I walked out of the office and I went home, you know, and about two hours later, he called me and he said, you got the job. So now I'm on the set, stunt coordinating a mm -hmm. major television series, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of stunts on this show and stunts take time. You can't just shoot seven days and get everything in. So they decided they were going to do a second unit. This is after we had done one or two episodes. I can't remember exactly. and. Um, I got called in the production manager's office who does all the hiring for the show and, you know, does make sure the budget's on and everything's together. And he said, okay, we're going to do a second unit and I'm going to hire whatever his name was, a guy, Bob, whatever. And I want you on the set because you know how we shoot and I want you to help him. Well, I don't want to help him. I want to stuck. I want to direct second unit. Anyway, <laughs> Sandy, they're not going to let you direct second unit. <laughs> I went, well, I'm not going to help them. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm really bad when I want something. And I wasn't mean about any of this. Mm -hmm, right. But I wanted to direct second unit. And I said, I know, you, like you said, I know how the show is shooting. And um, that's what I want to do. He said, this is not going to happen. And I said, well, I am not going to be there that day that you have him because I am not going to help him. And Dan Franklin, who was our production manager, looked at me and he said, okay. And it was time to go home anyway. It was my end of the day. And I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I walked out of his office. My car was on the lot. I walked, in, walked to my car, got in my car and started crying. I figured I had just blown the stunt coordinating job and everything. I mean, I... Couldn't see any other way out, except that Dan Franklin went to the Black Tower, which was called at Universal, where all the big, huge executives were, and fought for me and called me and said, you got the job, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, Black Tower, you sign your contract, they're buying you your director's card. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing more than one thing at a time, but it, it it worked out. I mean, I directed second unit on every episode after that and stunt coordinated it at the same time and doubled her too. Mm -hmm. so, well, I mean, you, you say you have a big mouth. I would phrase it more as you're a very good negotiator and you understand what value you're offering to the project itself, which is something not a lot of people can get their head around. I'm pretty confident when I know I can do something. Mm -hmm. um, and if I have a question, I'll ask if I'm not sure about something. I'm I'm not afraid to ask. I'm not afraid to say no. Or guys, we can't do it that way. Um, 
So maybe it's not, like you said, maybe it's not me having a big mouth, but um, being able to be confident in enough in myself that I can do something. And if I can't do it, I'll find out how to do it and make sure that it's done correctly. If you're jumping off a, a moving car onto another moving car, that does take confidence. You can't be second guessing yourself in that moment. No, you certainly can't. And so much of the stuff that we do, even when you're on wires and, you know, if you're doing a high fall or you're hanging, you know, off the side of a mountain, your adrenaline does pump very hard, but which is good because it makes you pay attention. And you just have to have enough confidence in yourself that you, you know, the rigging is right. You know that you you can make it to the other car or whatever it is. Um, and you've, you know, you, you go out and you, you don't necessarily practice jumping from one car to the other, but you certainly practice, you know, driving cars, um, doing wire work, doing high falls, doing fights. Um, you know, you're always improving your skills and brushing up on your skills because if you haven't done something in a long time, it's a little harder to, to go back and try to do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hey. No, I was just going to say during this whole entire time, um, I work out a lot. I would think so. <laughs> I I mean, I, I just, I work out. I've worked out all my life. And um, I do, um, like we were doing aerobics in the 80s and um, taking classes from Jane Fonda. And she decided to close her gym in Encino where I was going. And um, Billy Blanks opened a gym and was teaching an aerobic style classes and teaching karate. And I went over there to take class because all my friends were going. And Billy said to me, so you know karate? And I went, no. And I didn't. You know, I said, I, I don't want to learn anything that like that now it's I'm 50 years old I can't enough already and well he didn't let up on me <laughs> you're doing you're a stunt lady and you don't know karate how are you gonna do you know and on and on and so I finally looked at him and I said fine I'll take your stupid karate class well that was a mistake I loved it and I went I want my black belt and he went it's gonna take you five years it's gonna take you 20 years to get your black belt I mean he was so hard on me I can't mm -hmm. even and I think he did it because he knew I was going to use the skills he was teaching me. It wasn't just taking classes and, you know, learning. Um, so I got my black belt in five years. And um, karate has helped so much when you're coordinating fights and choreographing fight scenes, especially in today's age, you know, with Matrix and everything else. There's so much karate, taekwondo, anything like that uh taekwondo especially because it's very camera friendly it's big wide moves and you know um so that helped i learned that while i was working <laughs> so you're building skills and you're delivering believable good-looking stunts but when you're saying you're a stunt coordinator and you're worried about you know, the stunts you, know, you say they take time what i'm hearing is time is money and when they're looking at stunts, at the end of the day, the, the end result is as much as they want that stunt to look good and nobody to get hurt, 
they want that shot to get done on time and deliver it back to the editing booth at within the time that they specified. And that is a, is a result that you're promising them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because they'll give your act, they'll give the actors all the time they want. And when it comes to stunts, it's always hurry up. We got to get this shot. Hurry up, hurry up. You know, um, I'll tell you an interesting story about hurry up. I was doing Bring Him Back Alive with Bruce Boxleitner. It was a TV series in what, 81, I think, something like that. I missed that one. It was, um, I can't remember exactly the dates, but it was around, it was in the 80s sometime, maybe, maybe the early 90s. And um, they had called me in. We were going to um, Indian Dunes where the um, Twilight Zone helicopter crash happened, where the people got hurt and killed and Okay, we're shooting there um, on a mountain, the same mountain that mm-hmm. the accident, near the accident. And um, there's a motorcycle off the side of the mountain, 100 feet in the air, hanging off the cliff. And basically what happens is, Bruce, there's a girl in the motorcycle sidecar. Bruce swings over on a repelling line, grabs her. They swing back. The motorcycle drops and explodes. Okay. Well, there's a couple problems here. Number one, if you're, you're I'm definitely an, uh, an Oriental girl, which is against the rules. You're so if if you're if you're white, you double white. If you're black, you double black. If you're Mexican, you double Mexican. They they've got rules so that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everybody has a chance to work. Right. I was called into double. Uh, this oriental girl or because they just, really didn't have anybody that could do this so that i went in doing that now it's seven o'clock in the morning and everything's rigged and ready to go and i go to the set and gary epper who is doubling bruce is still back at making getting dressed finishing getting dressed and um anyway so i i get on the set and I said, um, I want to see how it's rigged. Because this is what I was taught. You take check your rigging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we don't have time. You, it's you know, it's going to take 20 minutes for you to go on the other side, you know, to get up on the top of the hill. And we hired a professional mountain climber and it's all taken care of. I said, no, I want to see it. I'm not getting on that rig 100 feet in the air unless you let me see it. Well, they were not happy with me, but they couldn't fire me. It was too late. They were ready to shoot. So they finally, I called Gary and he came down and um, they finally said, okay. And they went and shot something else while it took us time to get up to the hill and look at it. They had this huge eye hook in the ground with the um, repelling line tied into it that he was going to be on and the motorcycle on a trip that means it would release so the motorcycle could drop all in the same eye hook. Mm-hmm. No backups on anything. So we took the repelling line and there was a tree close enough that we, and we had enough repelling line left that we could wrap it around the tree and tie it. So we had a second tie on the repelling line. We go down, they get me up on the cherry picker, get me up high, get me on the side of the, of the bike. He's, we go to shoot, 
he swings over and grabs me and now we're supposed to swing straight back like this, right? Grabs me and we go like that. We drop 10, 15 feet just instantly as the motorcycle drops and explodes. And you're holding onto the side of this mountain because what happens, the propelling line, you know, pushes you against the mountain. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to hold onto the mountain and it's shale and it's coming off in your hands. And all, you know, your brain is thinking, oh, the repelling line is, is caught in some bushes up there, you know, and I remember, I mean, there's things that stick in your mind that you never forget. I looked down and went, get us down now. And all I remember was, and it took seconds, it felt like longer, but I remember looking down at the crew and they're looking up with their mouth open, just like in shock. And Gary yelled and everybody started moving. They got us down. The eye hook came out of the ground. I bet. So guess what? Always check your rigging. You know, if, if, if you can't, you're, you know, you go early enough that you can. Um, but anyway, so we did that. And then they find, you know, we got the shot. Everybody was happy. And then I had to go to Screen Actors Guild and go explain why I was doubling an Oriental girl. <laughs> Because there was this brand new girl in the business and she wanted the job and she had turned this company into the union and they were going to sue the union, you know, screen, they were going to sue, they were actually not going to sue the union, they were going to sue the, the show. So um, I went there with the producer and um, explained everything and they dropped the case immediately because she would not be with us today if she had done it because she didn't know. She would have just gotten on the rig and that would be the end of it. Mm -hmm. And it would have come out of the ground and who knows what would have happened. Jeez. So, you you know, that was a trick I learned from the guys that, you know, my mentors, the guys that helped me that always make sure you're happy, you know, and I've done it more than once. I've done it more than once. And and I kind of got criticized when I was coordinating because I was hiring. I, I wouldn't hire too many new people in the business. I would hire the professional guys that had been around a while because they had to make me look good. Because if, if they screwed up, it came back to me as a stunt coordinator, as a woman again. So, you know, um, but as I worked more, I worked, the more I got to hire new people. And, and some of the new people I hired are top guys today. <laughs> which is nice. Wow. Now, I mean, you got a lot of benefit from the people who mentored you and I'm hoping you can mentor people directly or indirectly. You, we had been chatting earlier and you had mentioned you have a book coming out. Yes, I do. I read finally, after all these years, everybody yelling at me, write a book, write a book about your life. And I keep going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I joined that chorus for sure. <laughs> well, it's harder than you think. You know, it sounds really easy, but you sit down and you start writing and then you start remembering things that should be before what you're writing. And it's, oh my God, it's terrible. But I did, I wrote it. It's with the editor. Um, it's almost done. Um, it's called Stunt Lady, Sandra Gimpel, Falling for the Stars. And um, it's about my life and how I started in the business and everything that's happened, you know, since then, which is, it's kind of cool because you remember things, you know, that, 
that you've done that you kind of forget about. Um, but that's coming out. That should be done hopefully in about four weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I'll be it, picking that up right away. Well, it has to be done because I'm doing, um, well, in May, I am going to do a, a Star Trek convention in uh, Long Island. Long, I've heard really good things about that show. I have two. I have two, and I'm very excited about that. So, um, yeah, I'm doing that, and I want to be able to have my book with me to take it sure. with me. Sure. So, um, I keep pushing the editor. <laughs> I want it now. I want it now. So it'll be, once it's done, they'll put it on Amazon and they'll uh, have a connection to my website. So if they want to buy it on Amazon, they just buy it. And if they want to buy it with an autograph and personally, you know, signed and everything, they'll buy it from my website and I can do take care of it that way. For sure. I, that's what I'll be doing for sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So while we're on the topic, what is your website and how can people follow you on social media? Okay. Nothing is up, up, up yet. But my website is basically, it says sandragimpel.com. So I made it as easy as I could. And um, I'll have, I have a Gmail account, which is sandragimpel at gmail.com. And like I said, all this stuff, I'm trying to get it all up at the same time because I don't want to have it, I don't want the website up and then right under the book coming soon. I'd just rather have right. it, you know, right there. Um, and then it'll, the website's kind of cool. I, I didn't know how to do this. I got somebody to help me and we're just kind of finishing putting it together, but it'll have, um, pictures of me, you know, like I look and pictures of me playing, um, the little old lady with the gray hair that I play a lot of, <laughs> I do a lot of acting jobs with her and, um, it'll have my resumes. It'll have, um, my stunt video running at the top, um, it should be okay. That sounds awesome. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for doing this. I'll be glad to have you back anytime because I could listen to your stories all day. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that book and I wish I could make it to that con, but New York's a little bit far for me. So <laughs> it's a little far for me. I'm glad they're taking me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I would like to thank Sandra for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. If you're picking up this episode right after it hits the internet, I want to call attention to the convention she mentioned she was going to, the Trek Long Island Convention. Now, this is a newer event. I haven't seen it before. I believe it just popped up this year. But check out their website, treklongisland.com. It's May 20th and 21st, 2023, and it looks to be a very, very fun event. There's a lot of great names attached to it attending as guests, but it also seems to be very rooted in the literary end of sci-fi fandom, where actually reading novels, comic books, and supporting your local library is a big, big deal. There's also a charity event called Library for the Kind, promoting children's books that celebrate diversity and inclusion. This is what our fandom really is all about, these kinds of goals. So I really want to look into this event more. You can check it out by going to their website, treklongisland.com, or there's a link to it in the show notes on my website, aaronbossig.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.